0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to another episode of Injury Brazil Podcast with your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. Uh first things first, I apologize for being this late on that episode, about two weeks, give or take. Um man, Last week I was sick all last week, and the week prior to that was my final exams online and whatnot. So, safe to say, these past two weeks been pretty hellish. But considering the fact that um, you know everything's been caught up, I feel ten times better. Last week I could hardly even speak or talk. I was all clunked up and sore throat. But again, I apologize for being so late. late. On any recent episodes that I haven't updated So with that being said A well, lot can happen in the last two weeks though I mean Week 4 of the NFL has passed My Steelers Finally getting a W Monday night against Cincinnati Bengals 27-3 to They're 1-3 and on the season But still I have high hopes nonetheless uh, Still a little iffy On this Mason Rudolph Considering the fact that uh, they don't trust him to throw the ball deep. Um, you know, when you have a Juju Smith-Schuster and you have a James Washington, who was very solid out of Oklahoma State, uh, those are some solid deep threats. But for some particular reason, you know, they just don't trust him to throw the ball downfield. the field. Uh, 15, 20 yards is his go-to, it seems right now. Uh, a lot of small passes here and there. James Conner had a solid outing against Cincinnati, over 130 yards uh, total combined, as far as I know, with solid touchdown, whatnot, but other than that, they don't trust him to throw the ball deep, so that could be an issue, so Rudolph just being just kind of a safe player, um, I don't know. Because, I mean, obviously the first four games, you only get one dub. That's going to be an issue nonetheless, but we'll see how things progress. Um, It's not like we have a lot of options considering the fact that uh, the, the quarterback market is so dim. But it's not just that as well, but when it comes to, let's say, like Detroit, Detroit two one and one tie with the first outing against Arizona. Then they get a couple of Ws here and there. The win against San Diego, I'll give, or excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers. That one was surprising. Um, them hanging out against Kansas City again, another surprising one. But Detroit's gonna Detroit. I mean, it, it was. I mean, if Kansas City can. Win a game without Patrick Mahomes hardly throwing a touchdown. Cad City's going to go deep in the AFC yet again. Um, Matthew Stafford, he did have a solid outing. I'll give him credit for that. Two passing touchdowns. Uh, he didn't make a lot of mistakes. So, But I still, you, you Lions fans are not going to convince me anything different with the Lions. I mean, Detroit eventually they're 2-1 one and 1 on the season eventually they're going to crumble they'll go as far as they see it i had them going about 5 and 11, 6 and 10 my original prediction i will say this probably at best i see probably excuse me i could probably see a 7-8-1 at best cuz detroit man they You never know what you're going to get with them. It's really just too inconsistent. Kieran Johnson didn't have over 100 yards rushing like he did against Kansas City. And then they'll rush the ball. And Kieran got over about 15 to 20 carries in that game against Kansas City. And then the next game, they'll give him like seven. And he'll have 22 yards. (laughs) And Matthew Stafford's throwing the ball 50, 60 times. So I... Detroit doesn't have any kind of formula right now when it comes to their offense. Their defense is steady somewhat for the most part. Their defense is, you know, but even then, their defense can be iffy at the same time. Uh, I do like Darius Slay, but he currently was out against Kansas City. So, it's just, like I said, Detroit's going to Detroit, meaning... You know, eventually it's just an accident waiting to happen. Same thing with the Dallas Cowboys. Everyone's, I, I On paper, they look solid. I can't lie. They do look good. But with Dak Prescott, I mean, throwing an interception, no touchdowns, hardly 200 yards passing against the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints. Not just only that, but with Drew Brees out and losing to Teddy Bridgewater, who's a second, third-string quarterback. That's not going to get it done. That's not going to help your campaign to get a $40 million contract that he's been looking guaranteed. So he's got he's to do something about that. Because if Zeke don't eat, if he's not getting over a 100 yards carry, then Dak Prescott struggles. He need, Dak needs to realize that if Zeke struggles and he's not getting the right, right amount of carries or he's not averaging at least 4 to 5 yards... Then Dak needs to step up. He needs to be that go-to guy. He needs to prove to Jerry Jones that hey, I, this is the reason why I'm worth forty million dollars. Because when you lose to a second, third-string quarterback against the New Orleans Saints, I mean, man, you lose twelve to ten, you can't put up one touchdown. That's not gonna get it done. If I, if I'm a GM right now, I'd be like. You're we're in negotiations with you with that kind of with that kind of money and you want that guaranteed and you throw an interception and no touchdowns we lose to a backup quarterback no uh, at the right now I would let you walk let him go so uh, gotta keep Zeke because the he's the he's built for that offense the line everything about it. The offense runs through Ezekiel Elliott, and that's a rare thing nowadays in the NFL because everything is as a large-scale pass attack. You know, even New England, they don't. It's it's solely through Brady, Sony Michelle, James White. Those guys are just key role players. They and they're not only that, but they're versatile as well. So, uh, and and they're kind of dinking and diamond here and there with Julian Edelman, uh, Josh Gordon, things those things of that nature uh speaking which speaking of new england they had a uh you know pretty rough outing uh still got the w against buffalo bill 16 to 10 and um uh people always panic i don't know why we they do they've been doing this for like four or five years now every once in a while new england will have a bad game right they would be like, oh, is this the collapse of the New England dynasty? Is is Brady showing his age? Is he declining? This and that. It's like, man, y'all need to chill. It's one bad game. Brady had a bad game. It's okay. Simple as that. He'll be back on his feet. He'll throw two, three touchdowns next week. It's all right. People people just overthink. I don't know, man. Just solely off one game. It's just like chill. You know, they're... 3-1 Three and one on the season. They're gonna be alright. They're right now they'll probably finish the season 13 and three. Yet again, another uh division title. And uh it'll be probably right now um AFC Conference Championship rematch against Kansas City, but this time um As much as I I think I might be going with my heart. But at the same time, I think Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, the the rest of the squad that they have, they finally have some learning experience. They know what to do. They know how to execute. And they were, I mean, man, they were a hairline short to get, you know, a beat in New England. So I got to take Kansas City and get over New England, the AFC Championship. uh, But... That's just a, you know, that's as far as right now, if everyone stays healthy, Mahomes, Brady, that's what it's looking like right now. So, but everyone panics. Oh, New England only won 16-10 against Buffalo, against only Josh Allen, yada, yada, yada. It's like, man, just relax. It's going to be all right. You know? And I love all the Bills fans get overhyped. It's like, man, we were close. We were this and that. And God bless them. That's a hardcore fan base. Nonetheless, I got to give them credit for that. But everyone just needs to just relax. It was one bad game. People have bad games. I will say this, though. Here's my theory. I think what everyone has been saying from what I've been reading is... When they had a Brown and then they let him go they um, supposedly it was a money issue it wasn't because of the allegations that you know from his, his sexual assault allegations or it wasn't um, um, the text messages uh, that were leaked from the the accuser or whatever it was more about a money issue, and I think A.B. was having an issue with it and supposedly Robert Kraft was on his plane when he got the news that A.B. was having issues with that and he... Er, I believe it was either the money... As far as I know, it was the issue that Robert Kraft was on his plane and he got where the A.B. Sent, sent the text message and that got leaked and he let him go. But there's also talks that it was a money issue and brady and belichick weren't too happy that Kraft decided to you know hit the red button and let him go because i will say this ab is pivotal when it comes to their deep attack now usually they they were they were be alright, they're going to be alright they're still going to be a threat, they still got Josh Gordon, they still got Edelman they did let Demary's Thomas go and I think that's one of the reasons why is because they got AB so AB was huge when they needed a big play, they just you know, send the ball deep to Tony o. Brown, let him do his thing but now they let him they let him walk and so, did they miss him for the this past Sunday? absolutely uh, one, two big plays, get a touchdown. You know, just to get a comfortable lead, no doubt. Because um, he's definitely that dude where defensive coordinators got to keep uh, keep an eye on him at all times. They got to keep they got to keep the defensive backs and the safeties well aware on where he's going. Because man, you let you let. Any any man on your defense slip up on that on a B one time if no if it's man to man if he's not just as fast man it's game over especially with Brady or Ben Roethlisberger they're gonna let it fly it could be an easy six but with that being said um, New England definitely is gonna miss a B I don't know what's gonna uh, transpire with his scenario and his situation. I follow him on Instagram, and he posts a few things here and there. God only knows with him. His slogan, business is booming, hashtag call God, hashtag whatever. I wish the man the best of luck. I hope he gets mental health treatment, seriously. Because, man, I got... It just... I don't know. This man has severe... BPD borderline personality disorder or or uh, bipolar disorder or whatever. This man needs you know just serious talking to a serious one-on-one intervention. Like man, what's going on up in there? So I I, I don't know. I, I wish him well. I hope I wish not but best success for him. I hope he's okay. But you know, it just it really makes you think what was going on in Pittsburgh all these years when when Mike Tomlin had to deal with him. And Mike Tomlin. What you know, what else was going on with A B in that locker room? And once Mike Tomlin let him go and everyone looked at Pittsburgh like like y'all are nuts. You're gonna regret it. And then Oakland got him. And then it was a helmet issue. And then it was a sexual assault issue. And then it was him just not showing up to practice issue. And then he wanted a new money issue. And then Mike Tomlin was like, see, I told y'all. He's a hell of a handful. This is what we've been dealing with. This is why we let him go. Yes, he has over 10,000 yards receiving. But you know what? We can't do it anymore. It's not worth the risk. It's not worth the stretch. It's damn sure not worth the money anymore. So Oakland, here you go. So Oakland got him, and John Gruden was like, what in, What the hell did Mike Tomlin just give me? So, and then John Gruden, he's like, you know what, let it go. Let the man be. Let him fly. And, of course, sure enough, Adam Scheffler drops a report. Ra- Raiders uh, release AB. AB's free. AB wanted to be free from his infamous video of, like, I'm free. I'm... <laughs> Because he recorded himself because he thrives on social media and drama. So shows him, you know, freaking out. They got in a good way of being released by the Oakland Raiders. And then he gets signed with New England about three, four hours later. And then he gets cut seven days later. <laughs> Plays one game in New England. So it's just like, I don't know, man. This, this is i would never seen someone derail their own career so fast. Their own career. It's not like they got hurt or their health started to diminish as an athlete. Just that, just to just um pure personality. I've never, I can't think, not not currently right now. I can't think of any other athletes currently or past, um, you know, as a personality where they just they destroy their own career just by whatever's going up just by their personality that's all there is to say like man like I said I just feel like he needs to see like a a, you know some serious help and you know like I said I wish him the best of luck and he's he's Hall of Fame material but golly man nowadays the Hall of Fame is starting to consider how you are as a person not just by the stats it used to be by the stats the NFL Hall of Fame used to bring you in by how you performed on the field not not off the field nowadays it's different nowadays like uh, like Terrell Terrell Owens and whoever else they're going to consider you for how you act with the team and off the field and that th- then they're going to consider that if you get in or not so it don't matter if you put up 14 15,000 yards like Terrell or Owens They're still considering how you act off the field. How you are as a person. So, that's why, as far as I know, I I don't think Terrell Owens is still in the Hall of Fame. He's easily a first ballot Hall of Famer. He has over, golly, I don't know how many thousand yards receiving, how many touchdowns. But if he but we all know how Terrell Owens uh persona is. We all know how he acted with Dallas and how he acted in San Francisco. Um you know, so with Terrell Owens, they they consider it they call it I think it's somewhere along the lines like the, the Terrell Owens rule. So, with that being said, um they Some people consider, I guess the guidelines are, how are you not only as an individual, but how you affect your your teammates? Are you a positive? Are you negative? Are you toxic in the locker room? You know, things of that nature. How do you respond to the media? You know, so in AB, he needs to, you know, whether he, he wants to be considered the greatest Of all time, when it comes to the wide receiver debate, that's cool, that's fine. But he needs to get his act together. Because if he keeps acting up like this, the Hall of Fame ain't even going to touch him. Yeah, he has over 10,000 yards receiving. And last season, he had the most receiving touchdowns of of, uh, his career in a single season with 15. And he has over 60 receiving touchdowns, around 70 or give or take. But... And that's those are Hall of Fame numbers right there if he was retired right now. But because of his personality and because of the things that has transpired over these past two, three years, they, they ain't even going to touch him. The, they can, whoever conducts these inductions or they decide in the ballots, things of that nature, when it comes to the, you know, the, in Canton, Ohio, for the NFL Hall of Fame, every August when it comes to the induction ceremony, uh, ceremony They're not even going to come close to touching A.B. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with A.B. (laughs) Uh, Drew Rosenhausen, God bless his agent. He's dealt with, you know, uh, I think he had Terrell Owens as a player. So he he has uh, experience and he has, you know, what it takes to deal with uh, kind of toxic, manipulative uh, players like this. So... And I'm sure God bless them for hanging in there. Um, but golly, I most agent, agents would say, you know what? I'm done with you too. <laughs> you're costing you're costing me money too. I'm trying to get you money, and yet you're costing me money. So but either way, I mean, it is what it is. But with that being said, I'm gonna take a take a little break, and y'all are listening to Injury Reserve podcast. Welcome back, this is Injury Reserve Podcast. So, oh man. (laughs) You already know I'm about to go in, but uh, I've already went in on Jim Harbaugh before on my Michigan Wolverines, and I've laid down the blueprint of the the pros and cons during his tenure here for the Michigan Wolverines. (sighs) Man, I... How can I say this? It there's no really well, there's no euphemisms when it comes to stats and losses. So when you look at it in death, is Harbaugh's success? Er, how can I say this? Is Harbaugh's tenure at Michigan really a success? What it was hyped up to be? Did he live up to his eight million dollar a year contract? No. Did he bring the program back from the ashes of Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke? Absolutely. But (laughs) it was, you know, as I said before, after the last year's Ohio State game, I just realized that Michigan is just a good football program. You know, and it's not just with Michigan. It's, it's, It's a lot of teams out there nowadays who used to be dominant, who used to be in the mix up. Times are different. Play calling and play styling is a lot different compared to, you know, 10, 20 years, excuse me, 10, 20 years ago. And as a coach, you have to adapt and become innovative as years progress. Nick Saban, Nick Saban does it. Why do you think Bama has been in the title game, you know, the past 6, 8 seasons? Uh, Clemson with the way how they develop and do their offense. Trevor Lawrence, uh, a freshman quarterback, the way he played last season. Now, granted, yes, Clemson dropped down a little bit in the rankings because of almost the upset loss against North Carolina last week. But nonetheless, that's going to happen. That's conference. That's college football. Anything is hap- can happen. What's alarming to me is that Jim Harbaugh, not only is he not lived up to the money that they're paying him so far, he's zero and four against Ohio State. He's two and two against Michigan State. He's one and nine, one and nine versus top ten opponents. He's zero and seven as an underdog. He's one and six on the road against ranked opponents. I mean, just recently, they lost to Wisconsin by 21, and they had to to go to Wisconsin. They got blown out. And of all those losses against ranked teams, five losses by at least 21 points, including three of the last five. So it's not just the losing, (laughs) but Michigan is just getting blown out by three possessions or more so the issue is you know where does Michigan go from here do we get anyone better like how how do you get better from someone that's already a well established and respected coach is it because it's not like Jim Harbaugh could he could easily get a coaching job back in the NFL I don't see how you don't He's 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 better than a lot of coaches out there. He could Miami. I'm sure the Miami Dolphins was sure as hell sign Jim Harbaugh right away. San Fran would probably sign him back right away, perhaps, because uh, they 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 blew that opportunity. Um, I know, there's a, there's a few teams out there that I'm sure would be more than. Willing with open arms to sign Jim Harbaugh. Just because he didn't win a national title. I mean, he doesn't have a losing record at Michigan. So, and he did bring that program back from the ashes of what Rich Rod and Brady Hoke did. The only issue that Jim Harbaugh has is that he has this old school 80s, 90s mentality. Of doing the Michigan pride and honor tradition, tradition. You know, running the ball up the gut. few you know, passes here and there, you know, uh, kind of reminiscent of the Bo Schembechler days, but we need to realize that that doesn't work anymore, that's not how Michigan should operate, it's it. Michigan's last national title was 1997, and it was a tie with, I think, Nebraska, a tie, how do you have a tie with a national title, I don't know how that worked, I was only four or five years old, don't ask me, but, no, no, ties are the worst, first of all. Can we just, can we not have ties anymore in sports? Ties, draws are the worst thing ever. I'm not trying to get, uh, you know, off topic, but I'm just saying. I was having a discussion with this with one of my coworkers. It is the most annoying stat there is. Ties, losses, and draws should not be existence anymore. That's why college football marked it off. They no longer it's it when it comes to overtime they play until there is a winner and the NFL needs to have that as well play until there is a freaking winner if they're I they needs I don't care what OT rules they have if they if overtime and the both teams are still tied then change those rules to like college football setting place the ball at the 25 and go from there but either way like I said it my, I'm not trying to get off topic. Okay. Jim Harbaugh, uh, you know, I like the guy. I do. Um, and truth be told, hell, I mean, 35 14, that's that's uh it's a kick in that's a it's a kick it's a kick in the balls. <laughs> um and it 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 really I mean Wisconsin, they were up thirty-five nothing. So those last two touchdowns were just kinda like, I don't know. Kind of gimmies, I guess, in a sense, because was—I think those all came in the fourth quarter. And uh, to, to be fair, um, Wisconsin does have the number one defense in the nation right now. So and I, the people, Big Ten doesn't get uh, enough respect as it is because. The, the Big Ten is the toughest conference in the nation, so I will I will give that. But when you're the toughest conference in the nation, and we're paying you eight million dollars a year, you have to be winning that. You have to be winning that championship. You have to be in the mix of a national uh, title contention every single season. Ohio State does it, but for some particular reason I don't know. Ohio State they're ranked second in the nation in defense. Uh, I was in they're they're ranked fifth. Uh, Michigan State, they're seventh. And keep in mind these are all defensive rankings. These are all Big Ten teams. So, so, so all out of all the Big Ten teams, uh, Michigan's ranked 22nd when it comes to their defense. Army's ranked 20th, so that explains a lot when uh, they're facing Michigan. That explains a lot why they're four and one. They're they they're gonna they truth be told they should be five and zero. Oh. They, they make that field goal against Michigan in the big house. They're 5-0, and and they're ranked in the top 25 easily. But either way, um, uh, the Big Ten is a lot harder. Uh, they, and Michigan, has, their schedule doesn't get any easier from here on out. I mean, it's just in the last three games against ranked teams, dating back to the previous season, Michigan's 0-3 and the average margin of those three losses is over 23 points and that that's just that's an issue it's a big issue because it's it's not close it's not like a last second field goal or touchdown here and there i i truth be told if it was like that i wouldn't have an issue with that i want it i'd be like you know what it happens we're showing potential. We're almost there. You know what I mean? But we're getting blown out. That's the problem. So, and it's odd because when Harbaugh was coaching at Stanford before he went to the pros in the NFL, Stanford was always an underdog. And he led them to multiple upsets. And some something just isn't clicking whatever he had at stanford isn't transpiring over in michigan and the schedule if man does not get any easier i mean they got they got number 18th iowa which look out for cuz everyone is estimating underestimating iowa iowa as far as i know they're still undefeated so and 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 you know <sighs> It's just, I was one of those teams in the Big Ten where they snuck up on everyone. I think they're surprising a lot of people. So, with that being said, they can't take Iowa lightly. They're ranked 18th. And then they got Penn State, who's ranked 13th. And then they got Notre Dame, who's in the top 10, ranked at 7th. And then, finally, the infamous the game of the season, Ohio State. So, Michigan, man, it's just... Oof. Being a Michigan fan is rough. It's stressful. I... I don't have gray hairs, but I think it, and by the time uh, – I, I have enough by the time I'm 30, I'm sure. But either way, man, it's, it's just dark times for Michigan fans, including myself. And it's just – I don't know. It's one of those scenarios where it's just like, do you got to let go of one of your fellow alumni? But if you do, who are the candidates for the next head coaching position? We we want a different offense, we want a different play style. And in order to do that, Michigan fans and alumni need to let that go. We need a new offense. We need and our de- I won't say I need a new defense. This is our first legitimate like quote unquote bad defense. And even then we're ranked in the top 25 when it comes to our defense, you know, as we sit at uh, 22. but with that being said um, you know it's just our offense man it's just our defense will play great and our offense just can't get anything clicking and but and then I don't know it's odd because our defense just disappeared against Ohio State (laughs) Ohio State put up 60 points. I mean, golly. And Michigan put up over 35 points. So, it's just... I don't know. Some games, you just look at the final score as a fan. You're like, how did... How did we let this happen? You know? So, I don't know. Ohio State's looking really solid. They're looking good. Clemson, they're still looking solid. Granted, yeah, last game, it was an iffy game, but... Clemson's still going to be dangerous. Bama's still going to... Bama. Bama Bama doesn't play anyone. I, I, SEC is weak. They used to be dangerous 10 years ago, but now it's just weak. Uh, even a lot of teams from the ACC are just like, man, Florida State, they suck. Virginia Tech, they suck. Um, you know, so I don't know what's going on with them. Because Vod Tech and Florida State, they used to be dangerous. Um but either way, times are shifting. Times are d- different nowadays. So, but <coughs> Bama, uh, I wish I wish Michigan had Bama's schedule. All they have to worry about is LSU and Auburn. That is it. And then they fa- they always face some rinky-dink team come like week eight too. And then they get a bye, and then they face someone that's right, like like LSU or Auburn. And then you just have to worry about someone in the in the conference championship. So, truth be told, they only have, like, two, three games that you legitimately have to worry about. Like, that's it, man. <laughs> man, with our schedule, the Big Ten, that's a... We have a tough schedule every single season. It's It doesn't get any easier. I mean, if you, you look at it, it's just... It's tough, man. I mean... Yeah, we, we just—I mean, grad. You know, Michigan took their—they took their frustrations out on poor Rutgers, fifty-two nothing. After that loss against Wisconsin, uh, they moved up a little bit. They were twenty-second in rankings. They moved up three spots to nineteenth. So now we got another real test against Iowa. That's fourteenth and nineteenth. Uh, then they got Illinois, and then—but—but uh, uh, but, I mean, you see all these ranked. Uh, schedules. you got Iowa and Michigan, and then Penn State, Michigan, Notre Dame, that's three. Michigan State, that's four. Ohio State, that's five. So you look at the remaining on Michigan's schedule, two, four, six, eight, five six, eight. Five out of the last eight games are all ranked opponents. <laughs> While Bama has two ranked opponents against uh, LSU and Auburn, or no, excuse me, in Texas A&M, they're ranked and they're ranked 23. So I'll give them that. Texas A&M, they can sometimes put up a fight, but that was the last time A&M put up a fight against Bama was Johnny Menzel, So, so I'll I'll give I'll give Bama some leeway, but either way, uh, Bama's schedule doesn't you know mount up to against uh, a Big Ten schedule basically. So. I don't know. Um, way things are looking right now, as a realist, as a, as an honest opinion, as a real fan, I see maybe a 9-10 win season yet again. And I think the Big Ten is going to conclude between Ohio State and Penn State. That's the way I look at it. So, but either way, we'll see how things uh, transpire. We're only about four or five weeks in. So, but... I brighter note, my army black knights are looking real solid. They're four and one in the year. So I'm really <laughs> gotta gotta uh take a positive from a negative. So we gotta have that one team. Um I gotta root for my Army Black Knights, man. I mean I I served <coughs> did uh the army for three years, but hey or excuse me, they're three and one in the year. So but with that being said, I'm gonna take a quick little break and y'all are listening to Injured Reserve Podcast. Welcome back to Injured Reserve Podcast. So, with Detroit's upcoming schedule, I know I've been heavily critical of the Lions, but I'm sorry for y'all Lions fans, but y'all should be used to this by now. It's not to get your hopes up every single season. Now, the only thing I will say, I will give y'all some pros to this. Excuse me. Detroit's offense, so far... First four weeks, I've been solid. I will give you all that. Uh, the only problem is, like I stated earlier, is that they're so damn inconsistent when it comes to their running. But overall, the offense for Detroit has been phenomenal, but that's because they rely so heavily on Matthew Stafford throwing so many damn times, 40, 50 times a game. And that's why they always end up 6-9-1 and one like they are this year, or 5-11. They never mix it up. Uh, the last game was the first game where they actually mixed it up against Kansas City. So maybe this is a turnaround point, but not with Matt Patricia. <laughs> Y'all had the hopes in Jim Caldwell. I know I keep harping on Detroit for that, but that was a big mistake. Matt Patricia, that's a no-go. But with Detroit and their offense, ranks in the top 10. They're ranked 8th right now so far. You know averaging 24 points a game, not too shabby. I'll give you all that. Uh, they have a bye week, and then, then they have a, a night game against Green Bay and Lambeau Field, and where in which you know Aaron Rodgers not too impressed. I don't know how and why people still make the case of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, it's not even close. Brady easily is the better quarterback. Talent-wise, yes, people make that typical rebuttal argument of Aaron Rodgers' talent. I don't even think I believe in that now. I used to make a case and believe in that, that yes, talent and athletically, Rodgers is more gifted than Tom Brady. I don't even think I believe in that now. Rodgers' age is starting to show. He's 35. He turns 36 in December. In the out of the last three out of the four games, he's barely thrown for over 200 yards, a touchdown, or maybe two. And the loss that they recently just had against Philly on Thursday night, he threw for over 400 yards and two touchdowns and a pick. I'm not even impressed by him this season whatsoever. And when your defense is holding on and keeping you afloat in all those last few games, they're ranked 10th right now. Uh, and their offense is at the bottom of the barrel. The offense for Green Bay is at 20th. Only putting up 21 points a game. So when you're Aaron Rodgers and you're a top five quarterback in the league and your offense is only 20th and you're only barely putting up 200 yards... I mean, man, there's got to be a case for... I don't care who you are. This is the type of leadership that transpired last season between him and Mike McCarthy. When, you know, when you fail to take accountability for your own actions, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be a problem, no doubt. So, with him struggling to put up points like that, I mean, it's annoying. <laughs> so, well, either way, I don't know. With Green Bay, it's just, oof. It's going to be rough. It's going to be a rough outing. And But with Detroit on the night game, I mean, at Lambeau, a tough stadium to play at. Uh, and, yeah, Matthew Stafford, no doubt, they'll probably throw the ball 40, 50 times on a prime night like that. And Rodgers, uh, honestly, I could give the upset pick for Detroit in that one because Aaron Rodgers' age is starting to show. At this point, Matt, I would make a case that Matthew Stafford is possibly just as good as Rodgers now. Uh, Rodgers just hasn't been that impressive this season. And people like to talk about Drew Brees' age is starting to decline. The same thing with Aaron Rodgers. He recently stated that he feels great, feels good. He can play until he's 40 like Brady, but I don't believe in that. So either way, the last three or four games, I mean, he's he's averaging about 220 yards passing and then um like i said the, the just this just previously their last game he in which they lost against philly um he threw for over 400 yards so green bay yes i mean they're 3 and 1 but it's something not exactly a proud 3 and 1 you beat chicago in the opening game 10 to 3 minnesota 21 16 and endeavor by 11 in which Joe Flacco has been janked for the past eight seasons. And then Minnesota still figuring out a quarterback there, in which they got robbed by Kirk Cousins with that multi million contract deal extension. So. <clears throat> with Detroit, I see a 6 and 9 in one season. And then from there on out, eh. We'll see how things progress. Eventually, they'll just end up changing another coach, and it'll be another coaching carousel in Detroit. Hopefully, they can find the right one. Um, it's just not Matt Patricia. So Detroit's tenth; uh, they're they eighth in the offense, but that defense uh, that ain't gonna get. I mean, when you're ranked 29th in the NFL, that's not gonna cut it. So, and um, they gotta they they gotta unload. They got on a load on Stafford. They got on a load on Matt Patricia. They got to start fresh. They got to start new. They got to start making some deals, wheeling and dealing. And uh, I thought for sure they had a solid draft pick in Kieran Johnson. And, yes, he just had a solid outing against Kansas City. But um, I don't know if it's the play calling. But as far as I I think it's the play calling, that's my theory. Or maybe Kieran Johnson just is, you know, he's hot He's hot and cold and has streaks. But um, I think they just need to mix it up more and leave it opening for running backs like Akiran Johnson, who's able to... He's more... He's he's He can be versatile and elusive. He can be almost in a Le'Veon Bell-like uh, back. You can throw it to him. He's He has the ability to catch, similar to a wide out, and has the hands of... Uh, similar to that, but... With the, with the way play calling is going on in Detroit, it's not going to happen. Trade Matthew Stafford or try to get a deal out of him. Start, you know, looking for quarterbacks now for the future. Stafford isn't getting any younger. Uh, you guys way overpaid for him. But either way, I mean, that's just uh, that's just the Detroit way. So, But with that being said, that concludes the final segment of the day. I appreciate you all listening in again I apologize for being so late. It's been two and a half weeks since my last episode. But with that being said, this is the Injured Reserve Podcast, and I hope y'all have a great week. Yeah, got uh, Have a good one, and uh, y'all enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy uh, the, these upcoming weeks. Thank God, my favorite time of the year. It's fall, it's rainy, it's gloomy, the leaves are falling. But hey, uh, at least football's here. Y'all have a good one.